0: Surat Nuh. Surat Nuh is a Makki surah, and as apparent from the name of the surah, it is about the story of Prophet Nuh, alayhi salam, the first messenger. And the entire surah is actually about the story of Nuh, alayhi salam. There are many surahs of the Quran that are named after the names of the prophets, right? Like for example, Surah Ibrahim, right? Hud, Yusuf, correct? But we see that while the stories of those particular prophets are mentioned in those surahs, there's also other things that are mentioned in those surahs. But Surah Nuh, from the beginning to the end, is entirely the story of Prophet Nuh, alayhi And the reason is that really the story of Prophet Nuh, alayhi salam, is an amazing story. It is a story of patience, of steadfastness, of sincerity, of hope. It is the story of a da'i, of someone who is calling people to Allah. We learned in the previous surah, the Prophet ﷺ was instructed, Fasbir Sabran jamila." Be patient with a patience that is beautiful. And we discussed over there that beautiful patience is that which can be Observed, which can be seen. Because Jamal is apparent beauty, outward beauty, external beauty. So Sabrun Jamil is, is patience that is manifested. And we will see in the story of Nuh A.S. what Sabrun Jamila is. What it means to observe beautiful patience. Now we learned that there were ten generations between Prophet Adam and Nuh A.S. About a thousand years. And we learned that, of course, Adam a.s. being the first human being, he had been through his test, through that experience where he came to know who his enemy was. He experienced firsthand what the goal of shaitan was. And how he was sent to the world. Adam a.s. being the first human being, he was upon Tawhid, He was upon the truth. And his children also subsequently were upon the truth. Of course, being human, they made mistakes. But generally, the aqeedah, the belief was sound. But what happened over the years is that shaitan, he led people astray. And what he brought in them was shirk, idolatry. Worshipping other than Allah. So Nuh was the first messenger to be sent. Meaning first man sent with a message to warn people against shirk and to invite them to tawheed, to the worship of Allah alone. The Prophet Wasallam, he said that Adam was a prophet who was spoken to directly by Allah. And there were between him and Nuh 10 centuries. How much time was there between Adam and Nuh? 10 centuries. So for the first 10 centuries, mankind was upon the truths, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. But then around the time of Nuh in fact, it was the reason why he was sent, it was that shirk became rooted within people. We see that in a long hadith, the hadith of intercession that tells us about The events of the Day of Judgment. We learn that people will come to Nuh, alayhi salam, and they will say, Ya Nuhu anta awwalur rusul. Oh Nuh, you were the first of the messengers sent to the people on earth. So he was the first person entrusted with the amana, with the responsibility to invite people to tawheed, to warn them against shirk. And Nuh is mentioned in the Qur'an in many different places. And one of the qualities of Nuh a.s. that Allah mentions is that, إِنَّهُ كَانَ Abdan شَكُورًا That indeed he was a grateful servant. Everybody knows the story of Nuh a.s. This morning I invited my son, come to the class with me. He said, but I already know the story of Nuh a.s. So anyway, everybody knows the story of Nuh a.s, right? What is his story? He warned people for how many years? 950 years. And in that time, very few people believed in him. It is said that over the span of 950 years, only about 80 people believed in him. 80. As Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا آمَنَ مَعَهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلٌ None believed in him except very few. In Surah Al-Ankabut, Ayah 14, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ We sent Nuh to his people, فَلَبِثَ فِيهِمْ سنة. He stayed in them for a thousand years, إِلَّا خَمْسِينَ عَامًا Except a fifty. So a thousand minus fifty meaning nine hundred and fifty. So, nine hundred and fifty years he is conveying. And at the end, how many people believe in him? Only how many? Eighty. But Allah describes him as a grateful servant. Not a bitter servant. Not someone who was bitter and angry inside. But someone who remained grateful to Allah. This is sabr. We see surah Nuh and surah Jinn, the next surah. Both have the theme of da'wah, of calling people to Allah. And in order to invite people to the worship of Allah, this quality of sabr is essential. And through the story we will see that sabr or patience is not just suffering. Sabr is that despite your suffering, despite your failure or with your losses, you remain steadfast. With the hardship you remain firm, you do not give up. In the face of denial and mockery, you remain courageous it is that despite the fact that you're trying so hard and you're seeing such little such few results you remain hopeful so sabr is steadfastness it is courage it is hope it is gratitude إِنَّهُ كَانَ abdan shakura so what is the story of nuh alayhi salam bismillahir rahmanir rahim inna arsalna نُوحًا ila قَوْمِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna indeed we, arsalna we sent, Nuhan, Prophet Nuh, alayhi salam. To who, ila to his people. We sent him to his nation. Notice how it hasn't been said we sent him to the worlds, al-alameen, rather to his people. Because remember that al alamin can also include the jinn, right? It can also include other creation. But قومه, his people, his nation means the people that he lived with. And that was perhaps the only human community or human population that existed at that time. It is possible. وَاللَّهُ أعلم. But Nuh salam was sent to his nation أنذر قومك That you warn your people. Warn them min qabli from before and yatiyahum that it should come to them before what comes to them adabun alim a painful punishment. We sent Nuh to his people saying that warn your people before a painful punishment comes to them. Painful punishment for what? For what they were doing. And what is it that they were doing? They were worshiping idols they were worshipping beings that they had made themselves. Things that they had crafted with their own hands. Stories that they had invented about those idols. And then they worshipped them, they depended upon them, they sought their help in a time of need. So warn them against this because they're heading towards their own destruction. So what happened? قَالَ he said, "Ya qawmi, O my people, inni lakum. Indeed, I am to you nadheerum mu'bin, a clear Warner." He said to them, "O my people, I am a manifest, clear Warner to you. Mu'bin. Who is mu'bin? What is mu'bin? One that is open and clear, manifest, meaning nothing about it is hidden. So I am openly, clearly warning you without hiding the truth from you." Even if you do not like to hear the truth. Because sometimes it happens that you want to tell people about something, but you know they're not going to like it. So what do you do? You pick and choose. You leave out certain things that you know they will be offended with. So Nadiru Mubin, I am clearly, openly warning you. I'm not hiding anything from you. What do we see here? Nuh Salam, when he addresses his people, he says, "Ya Qawmi." Oh my people. And this is something we see mentioned repeatedly in the Qur'an. That when the prophets addressed their nations, they didn't say, Oh you sinners. They didn't humiliate them or embarrass them in the way that they addressed them. Rather, they developed a link with them. Why? In order to take them in confidence. In order to show that they were one of them. So Nuh did not come to his people as an outsider. He established a link. He established some common ground with them. Why? So that people would not feel threatened by him and his message. They would welcome him. And they would welcome whatever he would say. And this is something so true. If any time you feel that somebody does not belong to your group, or your clique, or your kind of people, what happens? You listen to them, but you're on defense. Isn't it? You filter out what they're saying or you're critically analyzing what they're saying. But when you feel that there is a person whom you can relate with, they're like you, they're similar to you, then what happens? You trust them. Isn't it? So he says, Ya Qaumi, O my people, Inni lakum نَذِيرٌ Mubin. I am to you a clear warner. So Nuh ﷺ came to warn his people. Warn his people, Nadir. And you see in the previous ayah also it was said, قومك, warn your people. Warning is mentioned again and again. Now, warning, as strange as it may sound, or as frightening as it may sound, warning can only be given by the one who cares. Isn't it? Who is it that warns you? Someone who cares about you. In the face of some danger, they're not just concerned about running away and helping themselves and escaping the harm. No, they stop, they warn. Why? Because they care about you. They're concerned about you. They're not just concerned about themselves. So the fact that prophets are described as warners, what does that show? That the prophets really cared about their people. They wanted the best for them. This is the reason why they warned them. So, إِنِّي لَكُمْ نَذِيرٌ مُّبِينٌ Nuh salam came as a warner to his people. What did he warn them against about? About the hereafter? About the consequences of their shirk? And besides that, we see that he warned them against everything that could harm them. In fact, we learn, there's a hadith in Bukhari that the Prophet wasallam once he stood in the minbar and he said, that I warn you of the Dajjal. And there is no prophet except that he warned his people about the Dajjal. And he said, even Nuh salam, warned his people about the Dajjal. He cared so much about his nation that he warned them, not just of hell, not just of the immediate consequences of their sins, but even... Something harmful, something dangerous, that would come way down the road. What does that show? His sincerity, and the fact that he hid nothing of the truth from his people. Inni lakum nadirumubin. His warning was really clear and open. And his main message, what was that? Anirbudullah, that you should worship Allah and fear him and obey me worship Allah meaning in order to save yourself you must do these three things what are these three things firstly اُعْبُدُ اللَّهَ do ibadah of Allah worship Allah why because that is the reason why you're here fulfill the purpose of your existence you were made to worship Allah. And if you spend your life pursuing other things and forgetting Allah, you're depriving yourself, you're forgetting yourself. You're harming yourself. Fulfill the purpose of your existence and worship Allah. Secondly, what taquhu, Fear him. Taqwa. What does it mean? That out of fear of Allah, a person does what Allah has commanded him of and leaves what Allah has forbidden him of. So taqwa has two sides to it. What are they? Out of fear of Allah, what does a person do? He does what Allah has commanded him. He carries out the awamir, the commands, the injunctions. And secondly, he keeps away from what Allah has forbidden him. So leaving the nawahi, keeping away from the prohibitions. Now, remember the story of Adam salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam And bestowed many favors upon him And he instructed the angels that You should prostrate to Adam That was Allah's command And amongst the angels at the time was also who? Iblis Right? And Iblis was also to prostrate to Adam That was Allah's command What did Iblis do? Did he follow that command? No he didn't so refusing to obey Allah's command is what? This is a sin. And what does that lead to? Look at what shaitan ended up with. On the other hand, we see that Adr A.S. when he was sent to paradise, and he and his wife both were there, and they were told, eat and drink whatever you wish to your desire. But there's just one thing, لا تقرب هذه Do not go near this tree. Do not eat the fruit of this tree. That was a prohibition. Correct? But what happened? Adam salam forgot. He lacked determination. And shaitan basically misled him. Right? So what happened? Adam salam made a mistake. What did he do? He did what was forbidden. You understand? He did what was forbidden. So we see that sin is of two types. One is to refuse to obey. And the other is do what is forbidden. You understand? Now refusal to obey. What's the reason behind that? Arrogance. And doing what is prohibited. What is the reason behind that? Forgetfulness. Lack of determination. You just kind of gave up. You, you know, you didn't have that determination to stop yourself. You didn't have control over yourself. You lost control over yourself. So you ended up doing what was forbidden. Right? So what is necessary then? Fear of Allah. That out of Allah's fear, you do what Allah has commanded you. No matter how difficult it is for you, you swallow your pride and you do what Allah has commanded you to do. What did Iblis do? He said, "Ana Minhu. I am better than Adam. I'm not going to prostrate to him because I am better than him. Why did you command me to prostrate to Adam? Right? He became arrogant over there. So what's the solution to that? Fear Allah. Swallow your pride. Realize that Allah is greater. If He is telling me to do something, I better do it. It's good for me. I may not know, but He knows. There's some wisdom behind it, some reason behind it, which is why He's telling me to do this. On the other hand, we forget the prohibitions. We become weak. Again, what is necessary? That we stay awake and alert. And taqwa is what? A state of wakefulness, consciousness, alertness. So, what taquhu? Fear him. Meaning, do not forget him. So you can remain on the right path. Thirdly, what's the third thing that he said to his people? وَأَطِيعُونِ And obey me. Me as in Nuh a.s. So obey the messenger. Meaning obey the one who has come to you from Allah to save you. Don't obey shaitan who has come to destroy you, to harm you. Obey the messenger. So what are the three goals of a da'i, the one who's calling people to Allah? What is he inviting people to? What do we learn from this ayah? He's inviting people to, firstly, the worship of Allah. So teach ibadah. Teach people how to worship Allah. What to do, when to do, why and how. Secondly, nurture taqwa, develop taqwa. So they don't depend on you Rather, they worship Allah wherever they are. Because many times what happens? People will do very well as long as righteous people are around them or their teacher is around them or their mom is around them. Because out of the fear of the mother or the fear of the father, they will pray. Right? But when a person has taqwa of Allah, then will they pray only when their mom or dad is around? No. They will be consistent in their worship. And thirdly, أطيعوني, obey me, obey the messenger, present the role model. The messenger, who is it whose example they should emulate? Whose life is it from which they should find guidance? Ya'ghfir lakum. Nuh salam said, Ya'ghfir lakum, he will forgive you. Who will forgive you? Allah will forgive you. Meaning if you worship him, you fear him, you obey the messenger, the result of this will be that Allah will forgive you. He will forgive you what? Min dhunubikum from your sins. Min over here can be understood as explanatory, meaning min of bayan. So, you don't know, like it English, you write IE, right? So, ذنوبكم, meaning he will forgive you, as in your sins. He will forgive you all your sins. If you leave your shirk and you worship Allah, you observe taqwa, you obey the messenger the benefit of this is that allah will forgive you all your sins we see that when a person accepts islam then what happens all their previous sins are forgiven the prophet sallallahu he said that al islam yahdimu ma kana that when a person surrenders he submits to allah he accepts islam then what does that act do it destroys whatever was done before it. Meaning whatever sins were committed before it, they are finished. Yahdimu. So لَكُمْ مِن ذنوبكم. Another interpretation of this is that min means some of. He will forgive you some of your sins. Not all, but some. Which ones? Those that you committed against Allah. Yes, He will forgive you for that. But the sins that you've committed against people, The injustices that you've committed against them, the harm that you've caused each other, you have to fix that. Remember that at the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, you know the man when he came and he was discussing things with the Prophet ﷺ, and he was touching his beard again and again. Remember one of the companions? He got really offended and he struck his hand and you know he said, "Keep away from my messenger." Right? And when he asked who is this, he found out that it was his nephew. Right? And he got upset with his nephew that here you are hitting me and stuff like that. while till today I am paying off blood money because of the murders that you committed. Remember that story? And that companion, what is his story? He was from Ta'if, right? And he had attacked a caravan or something. This was before Islam. And he had killed a few people, taken their money. And he's like, now there's no way I could go back. And you know what? I actually like Islam. I actually like Muslims. And he went to Medina and he embraced Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ said, I accept your Islam. But the crimes that you've committed, I don't accept that. Meaning, I'm not going to defend you in that. You have to deal with it. The injustice that you've caused other people, you have to make the amends. Right? So, يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ مِنْ He will forgive you some of your sins. Meaning the sins that you've committed against Him in relation to Allah. But those that you've committed against each other, you still have to fix those wa and he will delay you ila أجل musamma until a specified term meaning if you repent from idolatry and worship Allah alone then Allah will forgive you your sins and he will allow you to live until the end of your term the end of your term as in your lifespan so each of you will die your individual deaths, Which means that if you don't accept Islam, if you continue in your wrong ways, then fear God's punishment that can destroy all of you at once. In the ajal and then he warns them that indeed the ajal, the time set by Allah, Ida Ja'a when it comes, acharu, it is not delayed. Meaning, how long are you going to live in this world anyway? Death is inevitable. And if you continue in your wrong ways, then fear God's punishment. Because once it comes, it cannot be deferred. You cannot get even an extra second. لَوْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If only you knew. So here, Nuh ﷺ is making clear that if you repent to Allah and mend your relationship with Him, then what will happen? Then Allah will forgive you and He will allow you to live, He will allow you to enjoy your life. And if that is not the case, then sooner or later, you will see the consequences of your crimes against Allah. The sins that you're committing against Him. We see that forgiveness of sins is a means of respite in this world, further respite in this world. That when a person seeks forgiveness from Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him more time. More time to do what? To do more good. So good deeds, they increase lifetime. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he said, وَلَا يَزِيدُ فِي الْعُمْرِ إِلَّا الْبِرْ Nothing increases lifespan except bir, piety. The more good a person does, the more chances Allah will give him to live on and increase in his goodness. So Nuh ﷺ, he conveyed this message. This was mainly his message. Invitation to repent, to worship Allah, to seek forgiveness from Him. And the result of that would be that Allah will forgive you and He will give you a good life to enjoy. What do we see in his message? What was his message about? It was a message of warning combined with hope. Isn't it? We see over here, that he makes the message clear. He tells them to do three things. And then he tells them that if you do this, يَغْفِرْ you And if you do not, then fear the punishment. So this is a complete package. There is warning and there is hope. And this is how our message should also be. Balanced. Balanced. Generally what happens? If we believe in something... If we start defending something, if we start talking about it, then we lean onto that side completely, isn't it? What is it that we're taught? That be balanced in your criticism, right? Be balanced in your message. So here we see combination of warning and hope. Now remember that Nuh ﷺ conveyed for how many years? Hmm? Nine hundred and fifty years. Have you tried doing something for nine days? And if it's not working, what do you do after two days? Let me rethink. Let me change something here. All right? Because we just want results. We just want our work to be accepted. Nuh a.s conveyed this message. This message consistently without changing it for 950 years. He didn't alter it just to appeal to the people. He didn't change it just so that they would accept it. This is sabr. That when you believe in something, you remain committed to it. And you deal with the hardships that come with it. You don't change it just so that it will be accepted by people. So what happened? قَالَ رَبِّي Nuh السلام, he said O oh my Lord inni da'utu qawmi indeed i invited my people for how long laylan in night wa and day i called my people by night and by day what does this mean firstly before we go into the laylan wa part i want you to notice qala he spoke to his Lord. He's giving a report to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. While well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already knows. Doesn't he? So why is Nuh alayhi telling Allah that, oh Allah, I called my people by night and by day? Allah already knew. Why is he telling him? Because he's talking to his Lord. He's talking to his Lord. He's making a complaint over here. That, oh Allah, I have done my best. But these people are not believing. So, what we learn from this is that it is important for the da'i, the one who's calling people to Allah, to talk to who? To talk to who? To Allah. Whenever you read a story of a prophet in the Quran, whether it's the story of Yusuf A.S., right, or Ayyub A.S., Ibrahim A.S., here we see Nuh A.S., even Adam A.S., every prophet of Allah, are there du'as mentioned? Du'as that they made? Yes. And what is du'a? Calling out to Allah. Talking to Allah. while well, Allah already knew their needs. He already knew the difficulties that they were in. Because when you talk to Allah, what are you doing? You are manifesting your faith in Him. When you talk to Allah, you show that you expect help from Him. You trust Him. You are seeking comfort in Him. Why do we talk to people, by the way? You know, when something's not working out. Let's say, you know, you have to write some essay. And it's just not working out. What do you do? You just talk to a random person sitting in the bus next to you. Right? You can't come up with any ideas. You complain to them. You know, I came up with this idea, but my group didn't really like it. And my TA didn't really approve of it. So, you know, I'm out of ideas. Random people... Right? We talk to them. Why? Because we as human beings need to talk. You know, the stuff that builds up inside needs to come out. It must come out. But the thing is that when you're talking to people, there's always a risk over there. What is that risk? That either they will judge you, and from this day onwards they will treat you differently. Right? Or that if it's a very private confidential matter, what if they tell everybody about it? Isn't it? Or they might advise you with something that is not really great. I'm not saying don't talk to people. What I'm saying is, talk to Allah more. Because that is what the prophets did. Especially when you're doing something for the sake of Allah. And you're having trouble with it, or in it, any kind of difficulty you're facing in it, seek help from who? From Allah. You know for example, The essay, if you're having difficulty with it and you talk to your group and you talk to your friends and you talk to your mom and you talk to your grandmother even, but you don't talk to the TA and at the end you don't submit it correctly, then can you say that, oh well, I did my best, I even took help, I even discussed it with people. You discussed it with many people, but you did not discuss it with the right person. Isn't it? So seek help from where the help will come. قَالَ رَبِّي he said, "O oh my Lord, inni da'utu qawmi I called my people by night and by day. What does it mean by this? I called them by night and by day. He called them in the night when the night was over. Then he called them in the day. And then when the day was over, he called them in the night. And then when the night was over, then he began again in the day. What does it mean? Continuously, non-stop. For how long? For how many years? 950 years, continuously. InshaAllah, this December, it will be nearly five years since we started this course. We started at end of January, February, something like that, right? So about five years. And yes, we came on the weekends, but it seems like, wow, we've been doing this for such a long time, right? And regardless of how many tests we've done or what, we feel good about the fact that we started it, and now inshallah we're reaching the end. Five years we were committed to this. But if you compare this to the 950 years of Nuh alayhi doing da'wah, not on the weekends, night and day, not five years, 950 years. What have we done? إِنِّي دَعُوتُ قَوْمِي لَيْلًا وَنَهَارًا By night and by day, continuously, non-stop. Because the thing is that something that matters to you, something that's important to you, then you do it no matter where you are, what stage of your life you're in, it doesn't matter what's going on. You'll do it, you'll make time for it. You know like people who like shopping, they will find a mall even at Niagara Falls. I mean, there's lots of shops over there, but you know they'll find one in downtown like a small city, like a no-name city even. They'll find shops over there because they like shopping. So when they're out, it doesn't matter whether they're hungry, it doesn't matter whether they're jet-lagged, it doesn't matter whether there's only a few shops around. They'll find something to buy. Right? So what you're passionate about, it doesn't matter whether it's night or day. People who like to eat something, it doesn't matter whether it's 3am or 3pm, they'll find it, they'll eat it. Yes. I went to a workshop where the presenter was talking about uh, the difficulty of writing a novel. And she said she put a survey on her Facebook asking, what do you think is the most difficult thing about writing a novel? And then most of the people said not having enough time. So she wrote a list of what people mostly said. And she said the number one response I got was not having enough time. But she said that's not, I'm going to skip that and go to number two because not having enough time is, that's just a difficulty of being human. So she went on to the next one, which was uh, people self-doubting themselves. She completely disregarded the fact of not having enough time. Yes. I know um, nasheed artists and they were saying that, you know when they would write their nasheeds? As they're mowing the lawn. Right? They have this idea in their head to stop the lawnmower, take out their notebook and write it down. Right? And then they're sitting, they were volunteering somewhere and as they're sitting waiting for somebody, you know, take out the notebook and write their ideas down. It doesn't matter whether you're in the middle of a field mowing the grass or you're waiting at the doctor's office or you're at work when something is important to you, you do it. Isn't it? I mean, think about your phone. If it's important to you, will you use it? Right? I mean, it's not a question of if it's important to you. Of course it's important to you. So you will even find a way of using it in class. Right? You'll figure out. Even while driving, people will text. I don't know how. So, إِنِّي دَعَوْتُ قَوْمِي لَيْلًا وَنَهَارًا We need to see what is it that I am passionate about. What is it that I will do night and day? Doesn't matter where I am, which place, what's going on? I'm sick or I'm healthy. I'm getting married or I'm single or, or whatever is going on. What is important to me that will always be a part of my life? إِنِّي دَعَوْتُ laylan wa wanahara. Without taking a break, he conveyed night and day. Without taking a vacation, he conveyed night and day. And this also shows us, Laylan wa Wanahara that in the night and in the day, at different times, sometimes we limit our relationship with Islam to certain places or certain times. Right? Or our ibadah, our worship of Allah, our being a good Muslim, or our talking about Allah is limited to certain places or certain times. I'll worry about the Qur'an on the weekend. Right now, five days, I'm busy with other things. I'll worry about salah or about remembering Allah when such and such happens. Or when I will go here. I will read a lot of Quran when I go for Umrah. I will do so much dhikr when I go for hajj. Seriously, I'll pray tahajjud even. As if tahajjud and recitation of the Quran and dhikr is all limited to Makkah and Medina. And that's it. No, this is something that can be done in our daily lives also. Inni دَعَوْتُ qawmi laylan wa nahara. Falam yazidhum. He said, Falam so yazidhum. It increased them. Dua'i, my calling, my invitation. Illa fira'ra. Except in flight. Meaning the more I called them, the more they ran away from me. The more I invited them, the more they rejected me. فَلَمْ يَزِدُهُمْ دعائي إِلَّا فِرَارًا فِرَارًا To run away, to flee. So we see that Nuh ﷺ, the harder he tried, the more his people fled from him. The more he invited them, the more he called them, the more he advised them, the more they avoided him. But did he stop them? No. When they ran away, he tried even harder. He tried again. For how long? For 950 years. Just think about it. In one day even, a person can be rejected like this many times. But Nuh continued for 950 years.